Tommy Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you, Lorenzo? With your lovely husband and two cats. And two cats right here on the table, but we're not going to say their names <laughs> no, because my God, at no. least one of them will respond <laughs> and if will we not say her shut name. up. Uh, but they, yes, every week we set up our podcast equipment on the dining room table, and then they all come in. They're like, oh, is it time? It's time. Um, oh, man. Small talk. Let's see. Um, our weight bench oh, and rack is finally set up in our yes, bedroom. It's yes, been yes, a saga. Yes, yes. It fits fine. It It's not going to disrupt our lifestyle or our lovely decor. I don't care. And I can barely walk because <laughs> I Leapt right into two days of weight training as soon as we set it up, and I I'm taking today off because I can barely lift my arms. But it's a good thing. It's good to be sore again. You know, it means you're working out. It means you're doing things. So um, I know. I mean, I actually took a picture on Instagram. Uh, uh, I made a comment um, because it it I know it's it's a shallow thing to talk about because you know it's just weightlifting exercise. At my age, I do it for fitness, but not for to get laid. I go. <laughs> I go to the gym every day, or I used to go to the gym every day for like two hours. So I haven't been to the gym since March. So it is a big deal for me uh, to be able to work out with the real equipment and and just to focus on what I like to do, which is to work out, right? Uh, lift weights. So it's it's been great. I mean, I did it for the first time yesterday, and I'm like, oh my god, it's just awesome. Yeah. So I don't care if the bedroom is a little tight right now. I I don't care. The thing is, Lorenzo and I, our fitness has all, like a lot of gay men, our fitness has always had a heavy weight training component to it. And uh, when we were locked down and and when we made the decision not to go to a gym again, we're not going to a gym again for a long time. They're still talking about it. Whenever they compile these lists of right. the worst places to gym go, is always gym is always, it's like right up there with cruises. Um, <laughs> seriously. So when we got locked down, it, we've done our bit. We've tried to do our little fitness bits around the house. But without any equipment and anything, we've really been lost. And it was about a month or so ago I said to Lorenzo, I was like, "Let's. Sh- we live in a big industrial loft. There's space for it. We're right. two men. You know, there's nothing wrong with two men having a weight set, you know, a weight set up in their home. Right, so we had free Not weights. that it would be wrong for women, too. No, I don't no, mean no. it that way. We but. had free weights, but and they're... You know, free weights are great, but they, they don't do everything. I needed a bench and a bar, you know, a real right. bar, and, you know, to do bench presses and, and, and stuff like that. So right. anyway, we're very happy right now. Very happy <laughs> and very sore. The weekend coming up, um, we finished almost all the painting that we talked about yes. for a full year. Right. It's almost completely done. There's a little bit of trim work that needs to be done in the living room. And this weekend, we originally were going to put up our brand new nine-foot Christmas tree. It is ridiculously large. I know, I love it. But um, I kind of put my wifey foot down and said no. (laughs) Uh, I said, let's finish the trim. And really, the place needs a deep clean. Um, I always, I was a jan. I've been thinking about her all day. I don't know why, because I'm planning on doing this tomorrow. I was a janitor for a year and a half in college. I used to clean offices at night. Wow. Yeah, in in high rises. Yeah. And your duties were... It's so weird. I was thinking about this job today. I'm not going to mention how long it's been since I've held this job, but it's been a really long time. I can't believe how much of this job I still retain. Really? And being a janitor actually 
is one of the jobs in my life where I walked away with the most practical knowledge that I still use decades later. It's true. They taught me the correct way to empty a, a you know, a waste paper basket without making a mess. The correct way to mop a large space. You never mop up and down, you mop side to side. Um, you, they, you, you always clean the bathroom because you do a fantastic job. And I'm going to give a call out. I have no idea. I mean, I would be surprised if she's still alive. But Wilhelmina Johnson was my superior and she <laughs> taught me how to clean. And she said something that I have never, ever, ever forgotten. I can still hear her saying it. She said, nobody ever likes to hear this, but the only way to get a bathroom clean is to get down on your hands and knees and scrub it. And uh, so tomorrow we're doing a whole deep clean. I want to wax our floors. I want to, you know, get out the ammonia. Just get everything as clean and clean and clean as possible. The place actually looks great because we've been putting so much work into it. But I know for a fact, once our... 40,000 Christmas decorations go up, it becomes very difficult to clean the house again while they're all up because there's so damn much of it. The tree is amazing. And so I love it. we're going to do a deep clean this yes. weekend. We're going to um, get down on our hands and knees and freaking scrub. <gasps> we're going to finish the painting and then maybe Monday or Tuesday we'll start putting up the tree, which is massive. I can't massive. wait because the tree is amazing. It's so tall. I yes. love it. Love it. So that's all that's going on in our little world. Trying to figure out our Thanksgiving menu. I Lorenzo's a vegetarian, and I don't love turkey so much that I need to make it for myself. It's right. you know I'd rather have sides and pies, but uh, I am actually looking at nut loaf recipes because he is a vegetarian, and I've never made one before. But don't go crazy. We already decided so that we're I might, not making a lot of stuff, right? I'm not making a lot of stuff. I'm making the cornbread dressing because you want it. Yes. String bean casserole because I want it. And maybe a nut loaf and a couple of pies. Fantastic. Right? That's not a bad day. Oh, my day. God. Yes, all the pies. And maybe some maple mm. walnut ice cream because it's the only day of the year I have it and I love it. And you can make ice cream too. Yes, yes I can. All right. So today's topic is Diana, Princess of Wales. We've never actually devoted an entire podcast to her. We've never actually written about Diana in any extensive way. I don't remember. No, I don't think we ever have. Uh, we've covered the royal family for the last 11 or 12 years, but of course that's well past the time Diana was a member of the family. And in our time, mostly talking about uh, Catherine and Meghan, um, inevitably you wind up comparing them. Everybody does. You wind up comparing them to how, how Diana did the same job. So in that way, she's come up in our, ta you know, in our writing a few times, but we've never devoted anything to her. Yeah. Um, we're not doing a... A retrospective it's not a biography. of biography. No, it's not. You know, in this <laughs> you know, week's episode, uh, no. episode of biography. No, it's not that. We're not. We're just giving our impressions, the parts of her life that um, we have the most interest in. Like I know Lorenzo wants to go off on her fashion, and the reason we're talking about her is because it, we're right on the verge of another Diana explosion because the Crown season four. Yay! Drops yes. on Sunday. Finally, we can talk about it. We've been making this this prediction for a while that everyone will be talking about Emma Corrin by the time the crown she's playing Princess Diana this season. And I was happy to see other critics, their reviews started dropping this week, and they basically all said the same thing. You're all gonna be talking about this girl in a week. Um she just does a great job. I, I would put it very, uh, um, I would compare it to Claire Foy, perhaps in season one, where she just blew everyone away um, with, not, not because she resembled Elizabeth, and Emma only slightly resembles Diana, the way she captures her. 
and the way she gives a fully rounded performance. Like Claire right. Foy did not, and this is why I think everyone got so excited when The Crown first dropped. Um, nobody was doing um, cosplay. They weren't. They were actually telling real stories, real with real dramatic stakes and character arcs using familiar figures. So. I think that's what blew everyone away with Claire Foy was the intensity of her performance. It was such a good performance. And Emma Corrin is something of the same thing where by the time you get to the end of the season, you're like, wow, this girl, she really nailed it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I totally agree because um, it's it's one of those things where, um, I mean, when you talk about Diana, I mean, Diana was and still is one of, she's the most talked about. Uh, I don't think it, she is, but go ahead. Oh, I, I think she is. Uh, I mean, now, I guess with social media and the internet and everything, there's a lot more exposure for all of them. Right. And I think you're right. Megan, you know, and, and, and to a certain extent, Kate, uh, we talk about them a lot. Um, but Diana, I remember, like, Diana was the thing. I mean, I mean, every time she showed up on my TV or she was on every freaking newspaper cover, um, she I don't was, think people who weren't there at the time. That's a very good point. This that's is what I think. I think uh, because of Emma Corrin and The Crown, you're going to see a lot of things. We're already seeing a lot of pieces about Diana, retrospectives of her, of her fashion, that sort of thing. There's going to be a lot of that in the next few months. And I do know um, the podcast You're Wrong About did like a four or five part series on her uh-huh. life, which was excellent, which is why we're not doing a biography today. We're just giving a more of an overview. Um, there's an, going to be an increased interest in Diana because there, when you figure she's been dead 23 years, her divorce was almost 30 years ago and her wedding was almost 40 years ago. There are people well into their thirties who don't really have a lot of reference with Diana. They just know her as the, they look, probably look at her the same way you and I look at Marilyn Monroe, just this sort of figure that was really popular and then had a tragic end. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's going to be this big renewed interest in her. And I really think I cannot wait for the crown to drop because I think a lot of people who aren't aware are going to be shocked at how screwed up that marriage really was. True, yeah. Um, Because I do think, we're going to talk a little bit about The Crown, no real spoilers, except, of course, you know, unless, you know, the stuff that actually happened. Um, But we are going to talk a little bit about The Crown and how they approached the marriage. It was such a relief to me. Peter Morgan, the creator of The Crown, um, he, he... he ha- clearly has some sort of love-hate relationship with the royal family. He also did The Queen, with the Helen Mirren film, and he did the um, the play that Helen Mirren did where she played the queen. I can't remember. The Audience, I think it was called. where It was basically the same thing, where it was the queen meeting each one mm-hmm. of her prime ministers. He's obsessed with this idea. Um, and when it came... I think... From the minute the crown dropped, everyone started talking about, oh, my God, when are they going to get to Diana? When are they going to get to Diana? And I kept thinking, is it going to be good when they get to Diana? Because um, you can't tell Diana's story of the 1980s without bringing that family in for a lot of criticism. There is no way to accurately tell Diana's story without making the rest of that family look like a bunch of assholes. (laughs) I mean, I'm putting it bluntly. Um, and you also bring in Camilla into the conversation. Right. Um, Camilla, to me, is still something of a, an enigma, I think. Um, and actually, I think Peter Morgan tends to treat her that way on the show, although she does get one really one scene where she just comes off terribly, where she's a total bitch to Diana. Um, but yeah, I was worried that Morgan wasn't going to have the you know cojones to 
really show the that family for the dysfunctional group of people they really are. Um, I was afraid he was just going to treat Diana as this. Uh, I remember talking about this with a couple of critics when the screeners first dropped. I'm not going to name who they were. They've already both written pieces on this season, but two critics came to us and dropped DMs and asked us our thoughts about a few things. And one of the things I said about the way the Thatchers are treated in this is that Peter Morgan tends to bring, anytime someone comes into that family or encounters that family, he tries to make them look stupid. Uh, he did it with the Kennedys. Remember with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, mm-hmm. and it was so, uh, listen, I'm not some big Kennedys champion here, but the, the idea that Jackie Kennedy would not know how to use the proper form of address for the queen is ludicrous. You only need to read 10 minutes of that woman's biography to know that she had all of the etiquette down. But um, Morgan has this thing where he's got to treat, especially Americans, but generally anybody who's not royal when they come into the store, and he does this to the Thatchers in like the second episode, where they get invited to Balmoral and they don't know how to dress, they don't know how to go. St- and I'm like, yeah, I don't. I know they weren't aristocrats, the the Thatchers, but they also were not dumb, or right. and they. Are, I don't even think I could call them unsophisticated. So and these people are prepared <coughs> to to meet the family, the royal family. It's not like they just right. show up. So there's the, a lot of preparation. Exactly. So the idea that these people don't know what to do, you know. Uh, w- yeah, or or how to dress, or how to you know, whatever. It, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. So my fear was that Diana, even though she is an aristocrat, not a particularly high stand, or was an aristocrat, um, not a particularly high standing, but I was afraid he was going to treat her like this dumb outsider who um, just invades the family space and does, gets everything wrong and. And what's interesting is there is a scene early on where she is with the family for the first, one of the first times they're dating, and she gets the order wrong as to how to address and curtsy to people, and quite a bit is made out of this scene. She is not, however, treated like a, like a podunk, like someone who doesn't, she's treated like a child, you know, and that's, it's actually a really good scene because it really shows you how just unrelentingly intimidating that scenario had to have been for her. That, how obnoxious the royal family is. God, they come, come off on. so bad this uh, season. How obnoxious they are and how they expect certain things. And if you don't provide them with those things, uh, they just, yeah, they just look at you like you're Well, you're I mean, it's interesting. Oh, come on, yes. That's the scene true. where she has to address everyone and starts getting it wrong. I think they get this, I think Morgan gets this correct. The queen is very... Um, like light about it tries to pass it off it's people like margaret and philip who who make her feel like shit mm-hmm. about it because margaret and philip were assholes uh but the queen there is you know when it comes to the aristocracy when it comes to how they're supposed to you know compose themselves or whatever uh the holding is that when they are around someone who doesn't know how to act you don't make them feel bad you right. just sort of try not to mm-hmm. notice that they curtsied at the wrong point or whatever Anyway, we're getting far. I don't want to get into a deep discussion about the crown because it drops in a couple days, and we're doing and recaps. we're going to do uh, recaps. Yes. Uh, of so, each episode. So no, Diana. Um, I want to get my impressions of Diana, uh, um, the real Diana, uh, that these are formed over many, many years. Um, and I've read the articles. I've read a couple of the books. I've watched the documentaries. Would never, ever, ever call myself an expert, but I'm well informed. Right. Um, and the thing about Diana is that marriage, there is no scenario 
in which that marriage ever would have worked. He could have broken off with Camilla and remained faithful to Diana for the rest of his days, and that marriage still would have been a disaster. Because those two people were so spectacularly ill-suited for each other, and because Diana in particular was not grown up when she entered the marriage. No, she, she, was, she was very young and, and inexperienced. She was 19 when she got engaged, right. but if you see interviews with her, you would think she was 15 or 16. Right. Because she is so immature. Um, I don't even know if I would say she's immature. She's, maybe she's a normal 19-year-old or 20-year-old, um, but she was very girlish. Um, her insecurity comes through right from the beginning in interview. You can see interviews with her and Charles where her insecurity is raging in the background. It's amazing to me watching some of these old interviews and news pieces. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I was there for all this. I wasn't an adult for a lot for some of it, but, um, it's weird how everyone couldn't see what was going on right in front of them for 10 right. years. There was no love story there. You could look at them on their wedding day, and they look uncomfortable around each other. I, I, again, I think it goes back to uh, you relied on newspaper. You relied, newspapers. You relied yeah. on that type of media back then. Yeah. So I guess the, the um, British people were more aware. They of, were. There were gatekeepers that fed information. Right. Uh, and. Uh, I mean, Unlike as today. opposed to today, yes. Yeah. When when you know you go to the internet and you can find you're so right. If there were blogs in 1985, everyone would have pegged that marriage as a disaster. Right. But it, it's fascinating, <coughs> uh, and it's documented, you know, with pictures and everything. I mean, images and and videos. I mean, you can if you go back and and, and spend a day just watching things about Diana, yeah. footage and and newspaper articles, or you 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 can sense everything. You can pretty much. Uh, Read between the lines. Yes, you can pretty much uh, understand the whole. Pro I mean, you can figure out the whole process, like when things start getting really bad, exactly, and when he changed or when she changed, and so on. Um, you can see all that. Part of that that is that, and it is shocking when you watch in old interviews with her is how um, sometimes she would be rather, uh, I wouldn't say blunt, but she would say things that I cannot imagine Catherine ever saying. Or right. Megan, right. or even Megan, for uh -huh. that matter. Just, just things about her marriage, things about her feelings. Like when she was at the Taj Mahal, they interviewed her. You know that famous shot of her at the Taj Mahal where she was all alone and Charles didn't come, and she says something like, "It was a very, um, I don't know, it was a peaceful sort of growing experience or whatever." And a reporter says, "In what way?" And she shoots him a look, and she said, "I'll leave that for you to figure out." And this is at the point where everybody knew there were problems in the marriage. And I'm I, like, my jaw dropped. I'm like, no royal talks like that to the press today. Nobody talks like that. No, because they have the history of Diana. They understand what the media can do. Um, I also think one great thing about Diana, I think, is that she learned as she went, you know, as, as years went by. And, and that is what's so she admirable kind of about her. She learned very, very quickly. I mean, one great example, and it, 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 it is when they went to New Zealand and, and, and um, Australia, mm -hmm. the, their trip. Um, like, if you watch videos and footage and, and information, just, you know, Google it. Right. Um, the change from the beginning, beginning of the trip to the end of the trip, yep. in terms of everything, even the way she dressed, um, and they show a lot of that on, 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 on the crowd. She said yes. in interviews, I learned how to be a royal in one right, week, right. It, that week, because they threw me in the deep end. It was the longest trip ever. Yeah. It was like, what, six weeks or something, something like that? Something like And it was right after the marriage. Right. Uh, Actually, I think it was right after William was born. 
Yes, because he he, he was there take crying. Him, and yeah, they would take him him away so they could travel and and all that drama. Uh, and you'll see all that on the crown. The crown this season, I absolutely love 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 how they how they did the whole thing with Diana and how they yeah depicted family everything about uh, it's just it's it's a great I don't know I loved it loved it every I really loved uh, the this season. Back to Diana. Um, so. Uh, if you know the, I mean, a lot of this is Wikipedia entry stuff, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. But, uh, you know, she was the daughter of the Earl Spencer. Her parents had a terrible marriage and divorced when she was a little girl. And like a lot of aristocratic daughters, she had a very lonely upbringing with a British aristocratic daughters with, you know, emotional repression and everything. Um, she routinely talked about uh you know if you go to netflix there's a great documentary and it's based on the yes very good the tapes that were done for andrew morton's book which blew open the whole marriage diana her own story um what's it called diana in her own words it's on netflix it's very very good. and it is her talking uh -huh. i mean she narrates the entire thing and because these were private tapes that were released later i mean i'm pretty sure she knew all of this stuff was going to get released in the end um, but she's very blunt. She talks about her father slapping her mother and the unhappiness of her childhood and everything like that. Uh, what's interesting is that when you watch the documentary, if you know her history a little bit, and if you listen with a critical ear, you can sort of tell when she's still bullshitting in, in these tapes. She still says things that you're like, oh, Diana, that's not true. Um, like she maintains that she didn't like the attention and I'm like, mm, I don't think right. there's like thousands of hours of video footage that shows you clearly, clearly loving some of the attention. Um, not every minute of it, of course, it destroyed her life and she was very open about that in the last few years of her life. But, uh, the crown in particular is very good about, uh, threading that needle on Diana that she was a young, naive girl who never should have. Uh, agreed to that marriage, who Charles never should have proposed to. On the other hand, she was also um, someone who fatally loved attention. And I mean, I get it. If you're 18, 19 years old, and you get thrown into this life of high glamour, and you're on the cover of every magazine in the world, how does that not get to your head a little bit? How does that not, you know, change you in some way? The Crown is good about not, you know, not being too obvious about it, but you, in little moments, you'll see Emma Corrin, where she is clearly relishing all the flashbulbs going off in her face. Right. There, there's those famous interviews of Diana um, when she was still the kindergarten teacher, walking down the street real quick, trying to get past all the photographers and everything. And they're trying to ask her, is Charles going to marry you? And, and she's trying to pass off all these questions. And she's got a smirk on her face the whole time. You can tell she's overwhelmed by it, but you can also tell she kind of loves it. Again, she was a teenager. Right. Uh, you, you, you can see right from the beginning uh, her charm, how friendly she was. Mm -hmm. And she actually answered the questions in a way. Uh, yeah, she, she had no training. No, she wasn't rude. Um, she tried her best. And I think that played uh, well throughout her entire life um, because she was able to communicate. She was able to, you know, give you a smile or right. be friendly the whole time. Um, and I guess because she was so miserable with the family, with the royal family uh, and everything around her, she aggressively uh, pursued other things like, you know, help the communities, help. Right. Uh, her know, charity work. Her charity work. Her advocacy work. Yes. A lot of stuff outside the royal family that she tried very hard to engage and in, 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 do other things. So I think that, that, that was great for her. And you can see that um, 
you know, in any way, in the way, in everything about her. Right. I mean, she went from like being totally miserable to at least finding a little bit of happiness in, and in, control and in, and control in her work and whatever cause, you know, she, One thing she was working on at the time. If you do watch old interviews of Diana, if you watch this documentary we talked about Diana in her own words, um, there's no denying she had star power from the beginning and she was yes. completely unlike yes. the other royals right from the beginning. And even now, uh, watching these interviews 35, 40 years, almost 40 years later, um, it's like, wow, there's nobody like her. There was nobody like her, and there's nobody like her. Like, Catherine isn't like that. Like, I mean, super charming, megawatt eyes. Like, you could not take your eyes off of her. And I don't mean she was the most stunning woman in the world, but she just had a lot of charm and a lot of charisma. And because she was tall and pretty and tried to, you know, maintain a demure quiet. And you have to remember, this is like 1980, the new wave, post-disco era. <laughs> Women, young girls like loud. Diana yeah. were not the norm. Uh, you know, it wasn't really the norm. So she, everyone was so charmed by this little English rose. Well, she wasn't little. She was very tall. This demure English rose. But she wasn't doing it on purpose, but that sort of, way that she had with the camera was right there from the beginning she I, had and she actually in these tapes in this late in many later years said i was the marilyn monroe of the 80s which was very prescient of her because of course she died young like marilyn did but she understood she understood that um the fervor that surrounded her was unprecedented and that at least some of that was coming from her own persona right. that I she was generating it I think uh, right from the beginning, because she was a common lady, you know, she, people fell in love with her right from the get-go, and 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 they, and she was approachable. She was nice. She was friendly. Right. Uh, she had a great smile. She get, she had a great smile. She looked at you. Uh, she was interested in whatever you had to say. Bear in mind uh, the princess prior to this that everybody talked about was Princess Anne, who was not exactly known no, for her no, smile. No, no, no. Or not, or even her no, personal she's charm. She's not friendly at all. Never was, and still isn't. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so um, so yeah, people would just couldn't believe that someone could be that nice coming from that family. Let's put it <coughs> right. Yeah, let's be honest here. Um, um, and then they fell in love with her, and and that helped her a lot. I think uh, she mentions that uh, if you watch interviews with her, she mentioned that the people actually helped her uh, go through a lot of stuff because they were nice to her. Yeah, uh, and she felt that the support from them, uh, as opposed to you know any support from the royal family. Right. Um, now I'm saying all these bad things about the royal family because I think they're horrible, but they, I really do. But uh, Diana was also very difficult. She was extremely <laughs> yeah, difficult. She wasn't that easy. Um, uh, again, you listen to these tapes and. You go through these, oh, yeah, I cried all day that day. Oh, yes, that week, I cried every day that week. Oh, I was sobbing uncontrollably for nights and nights. And I'm like, my God, what a nightmare it would have been. Now, granted, she had mental health issues. Um, but even the most loving husband and in-laws in the world would have found someone like Diana very, very difficult to deal with. When you are as emotionally repressed as that family is, they literally had no idea whatsoever how no. to deal with this woman. Now... Uh, to talk about, she she um, she claims her bulimia manifested almost immediately after she got engaged. Uh, again, this is one of those things where I'm like, is that true? Or is it a, you know, because you did have a hard childhood and a hard teenage. So 
when you a lot of these interviews, like the Andrew Morton tapes, and then the interview that she did with Martin Bashir in 1996, the one where she said the famous line, "There were three of us in this marriage," right? So it was a bit crowded. That again, watch that the Martin Bashir interview to and look at that with a critical eye instead of such instead of a sympathetic eye. Look at it with a critical eye because at this point. 1996, Diana's about 35 years old. She's been in the role for 15 years. She's completely jaded. She's already figured out everything. And uh, by the time she did the interview with Martin Bashir, she was manipulating. She was doing, openly manipulating the media to get the public on her side and to kind of... I do think, I do honestly think that part of her goal was to destroy the, the family as much as she could on the way out the door. She... Um, she openly talked about, this is one of the things that I find so shocking about Diana years later, because I've been covering Kathy and Megan now for, you know, over a decade or collectively over a decade. I cannot imagine them acting this way, but she talked about the queen abdicating and giving the throne to William and passing over and that, and she thought Charles and Camilla should go off and be like the Duke of Windsor. And, um, (laughs) she talked about this. She literally talked about, I think they should tear it all down and just give it to my son. Um, and I don't know if she thought that was ac- actually going to come to fruition. But my point being, Diana was difficult. And towards, as she got older, in her, into her 30s, and more intelligent, and, and more worldly, and more manipulative, um, some of the stuff you have to look at with a critical eye. Instead of looking at her simply as a victim, you look at her like, like I understand why she lashed out at the family. Don't get me wrong. I understand why she lashed out at her husband. But she was manipulative and tried to pretend that she wasn't. Um, and she was difficult. And even in later years when she talked to Morton and when she did the Martin Bashir interview, there's very little acknowledgement on her part that she was a lot to deal with. Um, it's all, they didn't know, understand me and they didn't do anything to help me. And I'm like, yeah, but you have to acknowledge at some point you were throwing yourself downstairs. You were cutting yourself. You were, had raging bulimia. You cried all day long. You had terrible postpartum depression. None of that is Diana's fault. Of course, none of that is something that she should be made to feel bad for. But once she came out the other side of all of those things, which she was apparently mentally healthy in the last years of her life. While she was trashing her her in-laws, she might have stopped for a minute to acknowledge that they had no capacity to deal with her, and even the best people would have found her difficult to deal with. Yeah, I, 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 I it's interesting because I always compare her to Kate. Uh, There's in no a, comparison. But in in the sense that no, I let me just finish. Here. No, I in, know. in the sense that Kate understood better what was expected of her and ex- and accepted it yeah. easier. It's, she had 10 years to train um, before she yes, got married. Yes, I think Kate understood and said, "Yep, I'm 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 game. I can do this." Right. Uh as opposed to to Diana who clearly didn't know uh what the royal family was all about and what she had to do. I don't think she did. I don't think I she really... I find that so hard to believe. No, I don't... She used to spend Christmases with yes, them. Yes, but that's different. I mean, you spend Christmas with As a child. that you don't know, and then if you go live with them, it's a whole different story. Um, I don't she know. She was naive, even for a 19-year-old. She was naive. I, I give you that. But I also think that she wasn't prepared to do the things. She. she I think she had too much in her in terms of life and, and ambition and, and, and things like she that. She had a crushing, crushing need to be loved because she didn't get it in her, in her home life growing up. Right. And, and and she latched onto this fairy tale figure 
And the way she talks about him in the early years, about so in love, so in love, I love you so much. And I'm like, this is sad. It's sad that she was just this open wound who just desperately, desperately, desperately needed to be loved and then married into the least emotional, least loving family in the Western Hemisphere. I think that's a problem. I think she, uh, she, you know, based on what I've seen and watched and, and, and heard, uh, she really loved him. And But she... That love did turn to hate by the end, right, which that's did, a prerogative. Because he didn't love her back. No, uh, I agree. Uh, and that, you know, that, that's the issue number one. I mean, if, based on what I've watched and all the, you know, the uh, statements out there, uh, they were miserable. If, From day one. one. Before she got, before they actually got married. Right. Uh, they had issues before the wedding. Right. Um so she knew about Camilla before the wedding. Yes, uh, I didn't know about the piece of jewelry and all that stuff. I yeah, mean, it, it, my mouth that, dropped. That's no. in the crown. Don't give it no, away. No, I'm not going to give it away. But when I found out about the piece of jewelry, because I didn't know about it, I was like, he flaunted what? it. He flaunted their relationship. Yeah. It, it's fascinating. I think Josh O'Connor does a fantastic job. Job. I think he's perfect. Um, uh, and you really hate. Him, uh, or dislike him, maybe. Uh, uh, but I also think that the show does a good job of, of you know, I don't want to say that you'll feel sorry for Charles, but I think the show underlines he simply had no capacity to deal with a woman like this. Well, I mean, it was his fault for marrying her, and he was the older one. He should have known it. But when it gets into Diana's, you know, crying jags and her bulimia and her self-harm and everything like that there's just no tools the thing is there's nothing there that charles has the thing is that when you pair two people seeking attention that desperately like both of them that that's you know that's the recipe for disaster um especially when she started becoming almost immediately way more popular than him right well that's the issue right from the beginning i mean he was desperate for attention uh felt that you know everybody everybody's Everybody owed was, him everybody was talking about the queen and everybody else except him uh he always felt that nobody talked about him nobody right. appreciated him and then he married someone who becomes a star all of a sudden is a star and, and i mean they would be out and they would tell charles the crowd would be like no no move out of the way so we can see her i know uh so yeah so he which hated is the worst that. thing you could have said to him right so he hated that hated the fact that she got all the attention and you know it's not- he's he was also in his own way deeply insecure and deeply whether he could admit it or not deeply in need of love in his life that's part of the reason why he had that infatuation that lifelong infatuation with Camilla because she did give him love i have no doubt i think that's played out i think even the british people understand this was a love story these were the two that were meant to be together it was a mistake like i don't know if they're going to let her be queen well it's not going to be up to them Everyone says she's not going to, but I don't believe Charles it, is going I, to. She's he's going to want Queen Camilla on his side. Yeah, I find the whole Camilla thing fascinating because um, people, <laughs> some people hate her, some people defend her. Um, it's hard to defend her actions uh, prior to her marriage. I to don't think Charles. Sorry, I, I don't think I, I I don't hate her, but I think she has a lot of culpability. Yeah, I, exactly. I, th- I exactly. think I think yeah, I think she did a lot to. I think I think she did. Yeah, I, how do I phrase this? I think she had a lot to do with whatever miserable life they were going through. The two of them. I uh, agree, uh, and I also think I, I'm not someone. I don't know. I've been lucky. I I met my man, and it and it was the right man for me, Aww. and and it was 
relatively uncommon. I wasn't I wasn't that young when I met him. I had to kiss a lot of frogs to get to this print. But <laughs> I never have a, a lot of um, um, sympathy for stories that where people's love affairs cause them to destroy their lives. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever loved someone so much. Like, I love you. I guess I would destroy my life or someone else's life. I don't know. At some point, Charles and Camilla were old enough to realize, A, they were in a bad situation, and B, they were destroying Diana. Like, right. that's the part of Camilla. It's like, yes, I understand. You were in love, and forces stood in your way, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but, okay, you were also the mother of two small children. You were married to someone else, who, granted, was also cheating on her. Um, but, I don't know, you're like 35, and here's this, like, 22-year-old who's cutting herself, and... And going into crying jags, and that's partially your fault. Right. At what point? I, again, culpability. At what? I get it. Charles and Camilla were in love. It really was tragic. On the other hand, they spent a decade ruining that young girl's life and making her life hell. Right. It's not like they stopped. They continued. They never slowed down a bit. Right. They never. <laughs> that's that's it. They never slowed down. They kept calling each other, seeing each other. Uh, it wasn't like he was working hard on his marriage. I mean, he just didn't give a shit. Uh, High-ranking royals do not, royal marriages, they don't necessarily live together no, uh, but, all year round. But Diana wanted something else that clearly he didn't want to give it to her. He uh, was incapable of giving it to he, her. He couldn't give it to her, yes. And that made her feel horrible and miserable and unhappy. And, you know, I understand all that. And I think when she finally realized that she wasn't going to get what she wanted from him, that's when, you know, she started, like, doing other things. And 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 uh, and when she started cheating him... Um, cheating che- on him. Cheating on him, I'm sorry. Uh, she... Um, she talks about it. She she talks yeah, about why, and she says, you know, well, we got to a point in the relationship that he was cheating on me, so, you know, I was miserable, and I was looking... Again, not to put any of this on Diana, or, or to say, you know, this is how you should have done things, but um, Diana having affairs would probably would not have been a problem, except Diana was really showy about it, and she didn't try and cover it up all that much, because in a lot of ways, her affairs were uh, revenge against her husband. They yes, weren't yes, they yes. weren't alliances of passion or love or anything like that. She was doing it to get back at her husband. So she she wasn't having royal affairs in the royal manner. And that was part of her offense against Again. Uh, the family and the institution. I don't think anybody would have blinked an eye at her for having a, in that family for no. having affairs, but you do it quietly. You don't do it in a way so but that again, the press knows. It goes back to what you said. She's using the press. She's using exactly. the attention she's getting to, uh, you know, to get back at them and then say, well, here's what I'm doing because look at him. Right. Look at this family. Uh, they're making me do this. You know, they're making me do this. That, she was a very complicated woman. Uh, she wasn't when she married him. She w- couldn't have been a, a simpler woman. I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but she was young, and she has ad- had admitted in many, many, many uh, interviews that she was not a good student. She didn't have a great education. Right. It comes out in some of her early interviews, um, that sort of simplicity of thinking, that sort of immature way of thinking. She's not particularly worldly. Um, and even in later interviews, there's like uh, she was asked, <coughs> excuse me, when um, when things changed for her in her marriage, when things, you know, she finally got more self-esteem. And she's she I, I laughed because she answered right away. She's like, well, when I got my hair cut 
<clears throat> and this is what I mean. Uh, Diana, um, she grew in her role, her public life, but there were times where she was really simple in her thinking. I don't mean she was dumb. No, but, no, no, yes. Um, she could be very simple and sort of childlike in her thinking. There were a lot of things that led to the changes in Diana's life and personality. But for her, it's like, well, how did you change? Well, I got my hair cut. You know, I, you know, there were depths to Diana, but she never got a chance to develop them um, to the manner she would have preferred. In fact, I will walk back a bit. I, I was listening to these tapes earlier this week, um, these interview tapes, and I kept coming back to, she's really witty. She really has a way with words. At one point, she was talking about her bulimia and going to these like sort of state dinners and talking about chasing a piece of chicken around her plate. And I laughed. I was like, that's such a cute little turn of phrase. And I'm a writer, so I tend to be impressed. And when people know how to use words, I tend to assume that they're intelligent. So I do think Diana actually was a deeply intelligent woman. She had a, a real wit about her and, um, you know, Stupid people don't change the world. Smart people do. And she did have a worldwide oh, effect. Enormous so, influence. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to give you the idea that I don't think Diana was unintelligent. But she, for a good portion of her adult married life, she was very simplistic in her thinking because she wasn't, despite it all, she wasn't particularly sophisticated. Her upbringing didn't allow her a certain level of worldly or a certain depth of worldliness well, or depth married, of knowledge. She married very, very young. So, I, uh, exactly. And, and, and then she didn't have a chance to go to college, to study, to be a, you right. know, to educate herself and, and do all the things that other people do in order to, you know, to uh, achieve whatever they want to achieve in life. Right. Um, she... She was stuck where she was, and she had to do whatever she could to get out of it and do something. And she did. She, she, when you talk about Diana, you talk about the fashion, you talk about so many other things, and I will talk about the fashion in a minute, but you talk about her immense, enormous support of so many important causes like cancer, like AIDS. See, I don't think anybody who's under 35 well, will understand <laughs> what it meant that she was hugging AIDS patients. Yes. How yes. revolutionary that yes. was, not just as a royal, but as a public figure, period. It was a time most people... Young people won't know this, but it was a time when people thought AIDS was something you'd catch just by touching someone. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, the royal family, everybody said, please don't do it. Don't even go there. Why would you go to a place like that? And she said, no, I'm doing this. And, um, and things were so bad at the time that apparently the story goes that none of the AIDS victim in the hospital wanted to talk to the press or talk to her. Because they were, they didn't want to be on camera, right? They wanted no, because they were so they were protesting against the media and against oh. the royal family and against everybody because they were getting this horrible uh, uh, press about being AIDS victims and that they were, you know, diseased people and so on. But one person uh, agreed to talk to Diana, and I'm glad he did because now we have this amazing piece of history of Diana. Um, right. Uh, and I, every time I watch, I cry because it, it's such a powerful moment that she took the time uh, and to, you know, to touch him. Right. Uh, and she made that, she made sure that every time she went to, because she went to several, this wasn't the only time she attended an AIDS clinic or, or any AIDS-related anything. She made sure that every time she went, she didn't wear gloves. 
Right. They, uh, she had been advised to wear gloves and she opted not she to. She said no because she wanted to touch these people. Um, she was very aware of, of fashion and what fashion represented uh, for her. Um, and there's to talk about fashion, there's an amazing book out. It will be out November 17th, but you can pre-order it now. It's a uh, new book called H-R-H, H-R-H, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style. By um, Elizabeth Holmes who is a friend of ours. We've met her before. Yes, she's wonderful. Uh, she, we've seen her at many a fashion week. She used a, to be a fashion editor, and now she yeah, writes a, almost exclusively about the royals. She, she's a great writer. She's written about a lot of things, but she also writes a lot about fashion. Uh, we used to see her all the time during fashion week. She's a wonderful person. Uh, and she wrote this incredible book. Uh, there's a whole chap- chapter on Diana. There are a ton of, of pictures in the book uh, and very detailed information about everything. It's a great, great book. Um, like I said, whole chapter, uh, you know, dedicated to Diana, uh, looks and, and imagery and all, all that type of thing about Diana. The book is called HRH, uh, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style by Elizabeth Holmes. We'll have a link in, in the post. Uh, so give me your I, thoughts on Diana's fashion. So what I love about Diana is that Diana is... I always say this about people, you know, uh, some people love fashion, some people like to to, to dress up, uh, or to look good, or to look well, uh, and by that I mean that some people really love fashion in the sense that they understand what fashion means, they understand what fashion can do for you, they understand the mechanism uh, of, of how to dress and, and what image to, 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 uh, to present, uh, what fashion can do for you. Um, so she knew all that from, from right from the beginning. In fact, uh, you can see the changes in her fashion. And in the beginning, there are stories that uh, she tried to kind of mimic the queen with the, with the pale colors and right. wearing all those colors uh, in the beginning of her uh, career as a, as, a, as a royal family member. Um, and then how she developed and how she... She was very much into fashion since the beginning of her of her life. She was a girl. She was young. Yeah. So she used to look at magazines and see what people were wearing, and she would combine that with whatever she had to wear as a royal uh, family member. Right. Um, um, so you you can see all that. A lot of try and errors. You can see she trying all these things, and then she finally, you know, starts peeling off the the, the you know the layers of that. In her post marriage um, fashion still holds up. Her 90s fashion has right. not aged as badly as her 80s fashion. You can fashion. see in the beginning that she wears a lot of... Everything is very tight around the neck. There's a lot of colors. There's well, she a was lot cutting of, herself. Yes, and there's a lot of... Uh, <laughs> like, the, the, the color was like... Uh, they, they joke call it like a pie, a pie crust because it, it was yeah. all these very... Well, that's what they're called, pie crust uh, collars. It, so they used to mention that all the time and uh, that she, like, pussy bows, a lot of... of, of, of yeah, the little uh, the bows little t- and, bows around the neck and stuff. Yes, yes, all that stuff. And then she moved on to, like, sort of bringing the, the, the neckline lower and lower and lower and, and cutting her hair, like, shorter, as you said. Uh, and b- her silhouette was more fitted. Uh, you could she see got it. more classic in the 90s, um, but her 80s looks were very much of the period, uh, which is why... I want to move on to this, actually. I wanted to talk about Diana's legacy, because I said this to you earlier this week. It makes me a little sad, because I remember 
when um, she divorced Charles, when the divorce went through, when, oh my God, she's changing the moniker. She's, well, the moniker survived this. She, you know, it's never going to be the same again. And then after she died, oh, she changed the moniker. She permanently changed the way. Blah, 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 blah. And okay, it's 23 years after her death. And I'm like, has she? Has she changed the monarchy? The queen's still sitting on the throne. Charles still going to be the next king. Um, and William, at least, turned out to be more or less as conservative as Charles in his thinking and his comportment. Um, has she really cha- I mean, you can look at William and, and Kate's marriage and realize, yeah, well, right there, that was set up completely differently because of Diana. They First off, William didn't, uh, date, William dated her for 10 years before proposing to her, and she got extensive training before she was thrown into it. So, okay, yes, she was the first royal person to marry into the royal family to be given that kind of treatment, um, to, to, because they knew, or they hoped at least, that she would be queen someday. And unlike with Diana, they, they realized you need to be trained for that. Um, the queen herself was trained for it for a good 12, 14 years before she finally took, I think she was 12 when her father took the throne and 26 when she took the throne. But she had time. She had time to know that that role was coming for her and that she would have to grow into it and then she would have to take it on someday. And they didn't give Diana that time. They didn't give her a moment's thought. It is insane to me that they didn't give her a moment's thought when they brought her into the family about training her. About, I mean, they did give her basic on-the-job training, and this is shown in The Crown. Her grandmother um, was a lady-in-waiting to the Queen Mother. And... Again, this is why I don't really think Diana would... I have a hard time buying that Diana was all that naive about the family. Her own family has deep ties with that family. But whatever. Her grandmother was lady-in-waiting to the queen mother, and in The Crown, she is shown training Diana on her role, on who to address, on the various household staff and all that. So she, I'm assuming Diana got basic on-the-job training. Um, I saw an early interview with her right after the engagement, and she kept referring to herself as one. Well, you know, one gets so uh, upset about these reports, and that is so royal, and I, I can't imagine she spoke that way before the engagement. I picked up on that right away. I was like, yeah, I, I doubt. That's part of her training coming in. Um, if you notice, the Queen and Charles never say I. They say one. Um, anyway, did Diana change the monarchy? I, I mean, I think they, her, the disaster of her marriage, uh, and it, also the disaster of the Andrew and Fergie marriage, and on some level, the disaster of Margaret's marriages and, or marriage and Princess Anne's first marriage. I think the combination of these things changed the way the royal family approaches marriages. Um, then again, I look at Meghan and Harry, and I'm like, did it? Because so much of Meghan and Harry, um, the drama surrounding that couple... Is, is a direct result of Diana. I mean, a direct li- you can draw a direct line from Diana to Megan. I'm not trying to compare the two women. Well, for one, Megan was not naive. She was also I think, in her mid-30s when she got married. She had had a career before this. She wasn't some little girl coming into it. On the other hand, um, she didn't get a lot of training, and that was pretty clear from the get-go. She did, wasn't getting a lot of support from the palace. And I... Right. I think the thing there may have been, well, she's not going to be queen. We don't need to worry about her. Um, it's the ones that are marrying, you know, the heir apparents that they need to worry about. 
Even so, um, we've talked about this before on this podcast, Harry's emotional reaction to how his wife was treated and in some way, some ways his over, he may have overreacted a bit, um, is a direct result of his mother. I mean, right. that is, I, I, I don't agree. see how, it, which is why I'm like, why, how can anyone look at Harry and his life and think Megan is the one that turned him against his family? Are you kidding me? He was looking for an excuse. They made him walk behind his mother's coffin. Um, he never got over that. But uh, I think um, of the two brothers, Harry has a more uh, romanticized view of his mother. And right. because William is so, is more conservative in his thinking and a little bit older than Harry, I think he may have been more aware of how troubles troubled his mother really was. I don't know. That's me reading between the lines. Do you really feel that Diana changed the monarchy in any significant way? No, I don't think she changed I don't think the, she did. the monarchy. I mean, she contributed a lot to a lot of things, and we're always going to remember all that um, and, you know, and think about her in, in those terms, I think. Uh, someone who did her best uh, and, and supported a lot of great, a lot of great causes. Um, she, yeah. And, you know, I, I, as I mentioned the fashion too, we always remember her for the fashion because she did do a few things. For example, uh, she made sure that she supported, uh, British designers when at a time when right. people didn't do that. Right. And, and at the time, it's not like today that we immediately know who designed what back then it wasn't something that people talked about. Right. Um, so she supported all this designer quietly. Uh, we didn't know who they were. And you can uh, see that in Catherine and Megan. Yes, and you can see that. And then, you know, she wore, uh, it, it's interesting because she wore a lot of Catherine and Walker, uh, Walker's design. I, I think it's like w way over a thousand looks from Catherine and Walker. Uh, and, and Kate wears Catherine and Walker. Um, so it's interesting to see all that. It's, it's interesting to see how she understood fashion and how she used fashion to support anything she was doing. I mean, you can see the changes there, there, you know, there, um, uh, statements of her wearing very bright colors when she, uh, she was going to see, uh, children. Right. Because she knew that children would be attracted to all these bright colors and would feel more comfortable with her. Right. Uh, or, you know, if it was anything more serious, any more serious cause, she would tone it down, tone down jewelry and all that stuff. And she knew every, I mean, I mean, Everyone talks about the dress she wore uh, the day the interview dropped. Uh, the BBC interview dropped was that um, off the show, the dress. Oh, right, right, the right. The black yeah. dress. That was her 90s look. Yeah, that she looked absolutely amazing. Right. And uh, uh, the story is that she had something else planned to wear, but then she decided, to, you know, fuck this. I'm go and then she went in her closet and found that dress and wore it. And everybody talks about that dress. They call it the revenge dress, yes, right? Yes, the revenge dress. So she ex she knew exactly. She knew by the uh, end of her life, she right. absolutely had full control over every lever. And it is, I mean, the great, that is, there's a lot about her ending that is tragic, of course. She left behind two sons. Who who knows what she would have become. She was I know, only I she know. was I younger than William is that. now. I always think about that. She is was younger than William is now when she died. That's she was young. And I mean imagine what she could have done for the next 25 years who right. she would have become. Now, I think she would have become a tremendous embarrassment to the family. Right. <clears throat> but at the She at, was about to marry that guy. You know she was about to marry yeah, that guy. But at that point who cares? Um, she was she was heading towards a very jet set life that I think would have embarrassed the family. Um, 
Again, who cares? <laughs> Again, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's, I, she still would have remained a devoted mother to her sons, and I don't think she would have wanted to do anything to screw up their lives. And she definitely, definitely did not want to do anything to screw up William's chances. That's true. She, That's true. She, at the end, when uh, the marriage, when it was all over, she knew that that was the most important thing, that she was raising the King of England. And she never, never, never lost sight of how important that was, that it was going to be one of the most important things, sadly, because right. I think she could have done a lot more things, important things than just that. But she did understand that. The thing about Diana is she was naive about a lot of it and she rebelled against a lot of it. But at her heart, when you listen to her talk, she had tremendous respect for the institution. She wanted to, she just wanted it to change. But she certainly didn't want to destroy it, not really. She wanted to destroy certain members of that family. She wanted to destroy their standing in the press. But she wanted the monarchy to stand, and she wanted to have an effect on, on it. And that's the part that I'm like, it's kind of sad, because almost a quarter century later, I mean, she did have effects on it, but I don't feel that she had the... I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Like, I is Charles going to be any different as king because he was once married to her? No. Is I mean, yes, she 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 raised Prince William, but she was gone by the time he was, I think, fifteen. Um, and he's clearly grown into a much more conservative figure than she was. So I don't know. I know. I I find it interesting when people. Uh, when they talk about Kate and, and well, Kate, it's like Diana. No, she's not like Diana. At she's all. nothing like Diana. Uh, you know, all, yes, Megan she, is. She she wears her jewelry. She pays homage to Diana every now and then, wearing something that looks like something Diana wore before. But that's that's the extent of it. Yeah, she's uh, nothing like she, her. No, she understands her role, and she knows exactly what she's supposed to do as a royal me uh, family member, and she's not going to do anything different. Um, so. Yes, I think Diana, in, in the case of Diana, uh, I think it boils down to her sadness and, and, and disappointment with her marriage. Maybe if she had had a better marriage, uh, a better family environment. Uh, that marriage would have never worked under any circumstances. I said if. if yeah, if, maybe. If, if uh, maybe uh, she'd, she'd, you know, be a little more accepting of whatever was going on at her time and all the pressure and all the royal family bullshit. Uh, but I guess, you know. At the end, we'll never know. She was a uh, much more complicated woman than people tend to remember. She was full of contradictions. She was savvy but simple. Um, she was um, desperately in need of love, but by the end of her life, somewhat more than a little cynical. Um, she could be manipulative, and she could be manipulated. Um, she was just a lot, and I, and she's so dead. She was so dead on when she called herself the Marilyn Monroe, flippantly the Marilyn Monroe of the 1980s. Because again, like Marilyn, she was loaded with charisma, loaded with even though her whole life played out in front of cameras, in front of the entire world, she still came across like a figure of mystery. Um, even though there really weren't, there's nothing right. mysterious left about Diana. We know every pretty much everything. There's no secrets right. left, but. Um, that was the fascination. She was intensely charismatic. She, she was growing into and becoming a truly fascinating, world-changing kind of woman when she died. Um, but the first 10 years of her life in the public eye during her marriage, she was extremely troubled, extremely immature, and surrounded by people who weren't helping her out in any way. So... 
And again, that contributed to her mystique. She looked like that. She was prettier than the royal family. She had those brilliant blue eyes that looked sad even when she wasn't sad. Uh, so it was hard. I, if you look at old documentary footage, news footage of her in the early 1980s, it's so easy to see why people were so fascinated with her. It's almost, it's a little bit, of, if you want to make American analogies, it's a little bit of Marilyn Monroe with, ironically enough, a little bit of Jackie Kennedy. That sense of mystery and that sense of sort of tragic vulnerability that surrounded her. Uh, that's why Diana fascinates. But um, while she was very much a victim of her circumstances and her family and her upbringing, I do think the crown gets across. And again, I recommend this, this documentary, Diana, in her own words. Listen to it with a critical ear. And you can tell, if you know her history, you can tell when she's kind of bullshitting herself. Um, when she's still holding on to certain things, when she tries to pretend that she's not as manipulative of the press as she clearly was. Um, that's all I'm saying, is that Diana was a lot. There was, uh, she was a victim, she was a victor. She was manipulated, she was ma a, a manipulator. Um, and in the end, she was done wrong. There's just no denying that her, her marriage was an absolute and utter tragedy. And it actually is to her tremendous um, credit that she rose above that. I given agree. her I given agree. her background and everything, she could have just become an addict or tumbled into a really and you know just died in some other tragic way. But she actually became. It's really interesting to watch, like say a documentary of her life, and then when you hit the mid '90s, you're like, oh wow, she her whole persona suddenly changes. She is so much more confident, so much more intelligent, so much more articulate. Now that's the other, Diana wasn't articulate in the early years. She she didn't have a college education. She was very young. She spoke like a girl. Uh, but then when you get into her 30s, it's like, oh, my God, she's, she could have been a politician. She could have been, like, a really successful politician. So fascinating figure. I think The Crown does a really good job of showing both sides of the marriage, showing that um, he was just a, a shithead to her, but he was also – there was no – way he was going to be able to be a good husband to her they, right. they were just so wrong for each other and the show does demonstrate how they were pushed together by forces it does show um lord mountbatten's murder in the first you know spoilers but that, that actually happened in the first episode at, by the ira and how that pushed him into marriage with diana um so there's a lot, there were a lot of forces at play, and I guess that's why people were fascinated by it. And I think that if Diana has had any effect, long-lasting effect on the monarchy, it's that we're still fascinated by them. Uh, and I, yes, I'm, yes. when I say we, I'm talking about Americans mainly. Oh God, um, yeah. Because I can tell you right now, I, I'm not old enough to remember the years pre-Diana, not really, what, how the world... But I don't think the Americans were all that interested in the royal family prior to then. They were not considered... World, the worldwide celebrities that they are now. I think the whole world wasn't. I mean, I mean, it was Diana that yeah. yanked that spotlight on the family, yes. turned them into. I, don't get me wrong. Elizabeth was famous all over the world from the time of her birth, but it wasn't but the people same. People weren't in love. Yeah, the it wasn't way the they same were thing with Diana, and you can see that right from the beginning when they go to Australia, <coughs> New Zealand. That's just people feeling love. That they, idea they, of royals as celebrities, yes. royals as rock stars, or or someone more approachable. Yeah. Um, so I do think she has done a lot. Uh, as a royal uh, family member, uh, she's done more than most of them, I'd say, uh, to the world. Uh, yeah, she she's 
She did a lot. Yeah. Uh, she embraced so many causes. Um, she, yeah, she did. She did what she could, and she uh, understood her power, her voice, and and yeah. Yeah, so. it's a truly tragic s- story in a lot of ways. But it, um, if you don't focus on the pain or the way that it ended, uh, there's a lot about her story that's actually inspirational. She really, really did become a much, much, much better more rounded woman yes, after yes. coming out the other side of all of this horror. And I don't just mean her marriage. Her childhood was absolutely shitty. So it's when a great you, story, a story of overcoming so much crap, yes. uh, so much pressure. She could have really been something else. Like, I just, she really, I, who knows what she would have done had she been, yes. you know, she'd only be, I believe, 60, 59 or 60 this year. Like, right. it's insane. Um she could have had decades more, decades and decades and decades I more. Agree. Who knows totally what she agree. would have done. Anyway, those are our thoughts on Diana. Anyway, so... Uh, watch The Crown. Yes, watch The Crown. The Crown is amazing. And uh, Elizabeth Holmes' uh, book is also amazing. Called Comes a- out November 17th. You can pre-order now, which... It, yes, it's called HRH. Uh, so many thoughts on, on royal style. By Elizabeth Holmes. Yes. H-O-L-M-E-S. Uh, highly recommended by Tilo... The Crown Season 4, highly recommended by Tilo. Watch Watch Diana in her own words on Netflix before The Crown to give you the full lowdown on that marriage. And we will be back on... um, I'm not sure when... I have to see when the episodes drop. If they drop Sunday morning, then we will start putting recaps Mm -hmm. up on Sunday. Uh, If they drop at midnight on Sunday, then we'll put the recaps up on Monday. But we're going to try and get them up every single day so that they're all done in one week. Fingers crossed. Uh, Until then, love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye.